especially you know, in our industry, we have a lot of immigrants in our field. Like most of the back of the house is obviously some kind of Latino, and it's like this is their job because this is what they can get. Mm-hmm. And but just like Anthony Bourdain was a big influence for this because he always supported the immigrants in kitchens because there was just so many mm-hmm. and it's just really what makes the kitchen function without these people we wouldn't be able to work we wouldn't be able to make the food that we're doing because a lot of these immigrants don't speak you know english so they're just like i'll wash dishes i'll prep your food and that's what they do and they make the restaurant run mm-hmm. and it's just really it's hard to see because it's it's such a it's just such a big piece of a restaurant, it's just with all these people that we have. Yeah. Punks podcast. I am your host, Craig Biderman. I'm here with another conversation with the daily disruptor and edu- everyday educator in the world. Um, uh, tonight, today, I'm talking to one of my best friends in the entire world, someone that I have known for almost 20 years. That is ridiculous to think about. Uh, I'm talking to Mauricio Dimas, uh, who is a chef in Portland, Oregon. We got to meet up uh, for a day. Uh, when I was just recently in Oregon uh, visiting my family and just hanging out for a quick break away from work and away from life in Boston, and it was really nice. And we got to chat about a lot of things. Mauricio is someone who learned that traditional education was not for him, so he picked up a trade instead. He picked up a trade that is important to him, his family, and his culture. He decided to be a chef, and today he talks about... uh, what that process was like, what uh, ed- going through education felt like for him, and when he decided that going the traditional route was not for him. And Mauricio was one of the people in the world that I truly look up to because of that dedication. He was willing to admit that that path wasn't for him, which is great. And I'm really glad that he was able to acknowledge that. And now he's made such a life for himself in uh, in 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 Portland as a chef, doing some really really kick ass work. So we get into a lot of that conversation. We also talk a little bit about uh, immigration and the immigration issues that are going on right now in the country, as well as um, getting into a little bit about Anthony Bourdain, uh, who Mauricio uh, was a very very big fan, um, of course. Uh, the news broke on Friday that Anthony Bourdain um, had committed suicide. And so we get into a little bit about the reality of being a chef and how hard it is because your life kind of becomes being a chef and you don't have the hours are weird. You don't really have a chance to make 
a life other than that. So we get into a lot of that stuff, which is super great. And this week, I'm going to bring you tunes from the new June Pastel album, which is going to be due out on June 29th through the Native Sound. We haven't had some Native Sound music in a little while, but I'm really excited to share this song with you later uh, in the episode. June Pastel is putting out the album Collages, which again will come out in a few weeks. So we'll get to that a little bit later. And yeah, that's really all I got uh, the, uh, to set this conversation up. And if you want to share, rate, and review the podcast, that'd be really cool. Uh, go to Edupunks Pod on social media. And yeah, let's get to this conversation with my best friend Mauricio Dimas. Podcast. Hey, um, I'm sitting here with my best friend Mauricio Dimas. Is that how you say it? Yep. We've been friends for way too long, right? And you still don't know how to say my last name. I know how to say your last name. Mauricio Rodriguez Dimas. No, it's not. I don't have a middle name. I just have two last names. But Rodriguez is first. No, Rodriguez is last. Because I always write MDR. Okay. For initials. But for right? when we were kids, you said Rodriguez Dimas. No, I didn't. Pretty sure you're wrong. You're remembering this wrong. Uh, I don't understand what you just said. <laughs> me, me being wrong. Fuck you. We're, we're the interview over. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm talking with one of my oldest friends. Wait, this is an interview. Huh? This is an interview. Kind of. It's just me talking to you, really. Do you know what a podcast is? No. It's like the radio. It's like radio <laughs> segments that people tune in and listen. People listen to me talk every week. Really? And you've been listening to me talk for 19 years. <laughs> 19 years. Yeah, that's a long yeah. time. It is a, it's a long time, right? We met in sixth grade uh, when neither of us were good at school. Right. I'd argue neither of us are still good at school. <laughs> Even though I stuck in it for like eight years past high school. <laughs> Can you tell people what you do? Um, well, I am a chef here in Portland. Oh yeah, we're in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Uh, restaurant name is Authentica. It is a Mexican restaurant, mm -hmm. so I do Mexican food. What kind of Mexican food? So, I mean, we try to do like, I mean, obviously the restaurant's name is Authentica, so we try to stick to, you know, being authentic as possible, but with like giving it our own twist, like our Northwest, you know, fusion, I guess, if you would say. Yeah. So what, I mean, does we that, do, what does that fusion look like? Hipster well, bullshit? No, we don't do stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we do, like, traditional dishes like ceviche or stuff like, you know, like pollo and mole. And then we just use as much, you know, local ingredients as possible. Mm -hmm. So that's why that's how we do our own, you know, take, I guess you would say. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you uh, explicitly because you're one of, you're one of the most inspiring people to me and I think I've told you this a yeah. few times just because you you decided school wasn't right for you and right. I think you did that while we were living together in Corvallis mm -hmm. and you were you were going to community college and you weren't happy with it no it wasn't. and I don't think you've really been happy with school in general 
Up until culinary school, I guess. Yeah. You would say. What didn't really click for you in regular schooling? I don't know. I just felt like I wasn't learning. Okay. I don't know. It's just it was different. Like I, I mean, obviously, elementary, middle, high school, those. I mean, it was just like we learned stuff. Right. And then, like, when I decided, like, what should I do after, I did. I was kind of like undecided. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So, I mean, I saw that everybody was going to like college, and I was like, well, maybe I should try to do that as well because yeah. that's what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried. I went to community college in Salem for a year mm-hmm. and then I was like maybe I should move down to Corvallis because that's where most of my friends are mm-hmm. and try that over there I'm doing I mean I'm doing it here so why not do it in Corvallis mm-hmm. closer to my friends and I did that but it's like it's kind of the same thing I was like I just didn't feel like I was like learning anything like mm-hmm. I feel like it was kind of the same stuff that I you know throughout high school was like why am I doing this for what yeah. for what reason mm-hmm. and then I mean like you said you mentioned earlier how I was like taking volleyball because like, I was like <laughs> I don't know because I feel like that was interesting to me <laughs> I didn't know how to play volleyball so I was just like let's take a class on it and I'll learn how to play like it's not just for fun mm-hmm. even though it was fun mm-hmm. but you know learning the sport mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite things so we were living together at the time and um, you and Brian our roommate at the time as well you took that together right yeah and so you guys would come home and talk about volleyball. Oh. And it was something, like, super fascinating to me. I'm like, I mean, because I, I was taking, like, physical Real classes. <laughs> <laughs> but I was also taking, like, PE, PE quote-unquote, classes in, right. in college, too. But I was also taking a full, like, course load and working and all this other bullshit and trying to have relationships. And you were just kind of like... I, I took volleyball today, and I really... Like, that, that was the highlight of my day. I crushed it today. Yeah, I crushed it. Uh, I, I spiked it in that one person's face real hard. And when we lived together there, one of the things that you got involved with was working at Baja Fresh. I remember that vividly. Yeah. And Baja Fresh, for those who don't know, is basically like... Is it a fresher Taco Bell? Basically. <laughs> But I think Baja Fresh kind of seemed like one of those spaces where you kind of figured out a little bit, like, this is kind of what I want to do, right? Like, working in food. See, the funny thing about that is, that, like, I went into Baja Fresh, be like, because I was like, okay, well, since I don't really want to do most of the schooly stuff, mm-hmm. I got to, you know, make an income to pay rent, I guess. So I was like, maybe I'll just get a part-time job at Baja Fresh. Which was way easier <laughs> in 2007, Corvallis, because our rent was Super total. Cheap. I think between the four of us, we split $750 rent. <laughs> and you and Brian shared a room. Mm-hmm. So you guys split, like, I think you guys only paid, like, $175. Yeah, something, something ridiculous, yeah. But, so the thing is, I was like, okay, I'm going to Baja Fresh, just get a part-time job. Because my mom, like, knew somebody, and, like, I don't know. I was like, okay, the, the, they were like, okay, we need somebody in the kitchen. Do you want to work in the kitchen? I'm like, sure. I don't really know much about the kitchen, but I can learn. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fine, perfect. <laughs> the funny thing is, is I didn't like working in the kitchen. Yeah. Like, I was just like, this is, this is weird. I don't like doing this, like, repetitive stuff over and over. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Can I be a cashier? I can speak perfect English. Mm-hmm. And he was like... Sure. Sounds good. And I was actually better at being a Wait, cashier. Wait, was that a thing that came up? Like, yeah, well, just because... I mean, you were Mexican? Well, it's not that, but it's just like the people in the bag didn't know how to speak perfect English. Okay. And that's why it was easier for them to just work in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And the people in the, in the, the, that worked the register obviously spoke English. Mm-hmm. 
you have to deal with customers. So yeah. that was like the funny thing that I, was, I don't know. I thought like, oh, now I'm cooking in the kitchen. When was that moment where you were like, I'm done, <laughs> like with school? <laughs> with school, like in like, general, like like, this... like the traditional path of school. I think it was after the like that. I think it only took one term or two terms at Lynn Benton. So yeah. it was just like after that, I was just like, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. And that's when I just kind of like. It went from a part-time job at Fresh to a full-time job, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And that's all I was doing. Yeah. That's bas- I feel like that's when I was like, I had to decide, like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. But it wasn't like wanting to work in, like, the fast food service industry. Right. No. It was just like, this is what this is the job that I have now, so let's just do this yeah. for now. Yeah. And you, one, one of the things that has been, like, my favorite about growing up with you, because we literally have grown up together. Right. Um, Going over to your house growing up, food was everywhere. Yeah. Like, your parents have always had, like, they have their own pastry, like, independent pastry service. Mm-hmm. So we always, like, your parents are the reason we kind of just got addicted to sugar. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they just made cakes. and We always had just, like, cake scraps lying around, you know. And That's we would like... just walk through the garage and just take them on our way outside. <laughs> just, like, yeah. literal slabs of cake that they had to chop off of whatever size cake they were. Right, made. right. So there was always that, you know. And, like, how you said, there's always food around, yeah. My dad was always, you know, is still a really good cook. And, mm-hmm. like, I feel like that's what kind of, like, got me interested in more food and, like, how are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. My mom cooks as well. She's also a great cook, but like my dad does most of the cooking and you know still does. Yeah, or has and does. Your so, dad's like one of those presences that like he's so joyful that like I can see how much like making food just makes him happy. Yeah, definitely. And do you think that influenced you? Yeah, definitely a lot. <laughs> like, I, like I, that's perfect how you say that because like I feel like my dad always wants to be the one cooking for everybody. Like, do you always have parties? And he's like, hey. Parties at your place. I'm in charge of food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and then, like, I feel like that was like, oh, I want to do that too. Like, I feel like I can make people happy by feeding them. Mm-hmm. And, I mean. That is a whole thing. Yeah, that is a whole thing. Yeah. And, like, when you made the decision to go, like, just to culinary school, like, to go to culinary school, like, you made that decision – it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, you need to do that. <laughs> like, how, how hadn't you thought of that to begin with? Yeah. Like, it was one of those moments where Rick, our other best friend, we've the three of us have grown up together. Rick and I were just like, he should have done that from the beginning. <laughs> but, like, everyone learns differently, you yeah. know? And you, you figure out what you want to do. Like, I didn't even know I'd be doing what I'm doing until I went to grad school. So, like, right. it's great that, that that happened. What was culinary school like for you? Um, well, culinary school was really good. I feel like it taught me in a different way that I just couldn't learn. Like, it, I couldn't learn that way that I learned in culinary school. Like, there's a different, like, there's still, like, the classroom in culinary school. So you, like, half of the day you're in a classroom and you're learning, like, recipes and stuff like that. And then the other half is, like, in the kitchen mm-hmm. where you're actually, like, hands-on. Yeah. That's what I like the most. Like... I, I still like the But you hated part. the kitchen to begin with. Right, right, right. I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why it's so weird, you know, because like it went from doing that stuff in the kitchen at a fast food restaurant where I didn't like, yeah. and then doing it like for well, for school, and then mm-hmm. eventually an actual restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, it's just, it's just completely different like learning experience, and I really enjoyed it in culinary school, because like, it's, like I said, it's just very different. Mm-hmm. Learning you have to learn about so many different types of foods, right? Right, yeah. You just learn, I mean, the school was a French, what they say is it's a 
they teach you the French basics basically, mm-hmm. and from that you can like take that technique mm-hmm. and basically do anything. Yeah. Um. So. Last where was that? That's fine. Like how you um, kind of came into culinary school slash like what that experience was like. Was it how different was it from like a regular? Well, like I said, it was really just hands on. Like mm-hmm. I said, half of the class or half the time, like half the day, you're in the classroom. The other half you're in the kitchen. So it's like what you just learned, like in the classroom. Now you're gonna do it mm-hmm. in in the kitchen. Like yeah. It's, that's why I liked it so much because. Like, like I said, it's a different learning, I guess, to me, mm-hmm. and that's why it was easier for me, I guess. Well, because you're, 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 there's an action to it, right? Like you're doing what you've been taught. Like where in like traditional schooling, you're kind of just shown a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. and you have to regurgitate it, right? Instead of actually like feeling like you've soaked it in and learned it and actually done something practical with it. Um, I also always loved how you were just always eating because you had to test everything. Yeah, right? yeah. You have and, to taste everything. Yeah, you have to taste everything and you have to also taste... Did you have to taste like your colleagues' as failures too? Definitely. So we all... <laughs> like the, like I said, okay, the, when you're in the, in, like, in the kitchen, everybody's doing the same thing you're doing. So like say we're all making mashed potatoes that day, you mm-hmm. know, like... I mean, this was like, you know, beginning yeah, yeah, yeah. classes. So we're like cutting up potatoes. So like we're learning our knife skills. Well, you're and not doing instant potatoes? No. I love <laughs> instant potatoes. Okay, that's besides the point. <laughs> uh, like I said, we're cutting up potatoes because like we're, pr- we're practicing our knife skills. Yeah. And then with all those potatoes, like we have to make something out of those potatoes. So like we, we learned how to make mashed potatoes for those who didn't know. Mm-hmm. But like just like seasoning, right? Like that was the, the like the big... Thing to learn like nobody wants to like add too much salt because they're scared it's like once you add too much salt you can't take it out obviously yeah. so that's the thing that like you learn right away it's like learn to season mm-hmm. and like I said like we all tried everybody's we're all making mashed potatoes but like they all taste different mm-hmm. it's like how much butter you're adding or how much salt you're not adding yeah. so like I said that's we all tried each other's food even mm-hmm. though we're all making the same thing yeah yeah what was like one of the bigger like learning experiences for you when it came to like like just testing stuff like what did you um, what were you looking for to like try to improve what you were doing well I feel like I mean all the stuff was new to me because I hadn't really cooked like in a restaurant besides mm-hmm. like at a fast food restaurant which is mm-hmm. completely different but still kind of the same because like you're still doing the same thing mm-hmm. so just like learning everything like from well, how a kitchen works is like mm-hmm. what I guess I learned the most like I don't know yeah. it's like and like one thing that I really enjoyed learning was like just making eggs it's like it's so simple but yeah. like that's something that you need to learn how to do and apparently that's apparently like in a French kitchen that's like the one thing that a chef like if you're say you're trying to like get a job at a French restaurant one thing that'll, that'll ask you is like okay make me an omelet hmm. and there's so many different ways to make an omelet oh, yeah. so like just by asking someone to make an omelet and just how they make an omelet, you can see how they're going to cook. Yeah. With that, 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 I thought that was like insane to me. Just yeah. like learning how to make eggs. <laughs> well, and it's such a versatile food. Right. You can do so much stuff with it. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like when you... Because I remember talking to you a bunch like while you were in culinary school and just like kind of asking like how you were liking it and stuff. And you kept bringing up like these small things like egg. I would never think about that. Right. I would never <laughs> think about eggs. I would also never really think about how much salt or pepper, mm-hmm. like these simple things that people grow up with, how much that actually impacts a meal. Yeah. And 
um, when it came to um, finally like getting into a kitchen, like outside of the classroom setting, and you you did your what you call them externships. They call it a oh, see, uh, externships. <clears throat> and so you you went and worked at where you currently are, like the main <laughs> chef. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was what was it like getting put into that um, that space for the first time? Okay, so like the thing about that is that the last term of like actual school mm-hmm. is basically a simulated restaurant. Like they have a restaurant in the school and they have a whole kitchen and they have a front of the house. Mm-hmm. So basically we all take turns like on the line and serving mm-hmm. and dishwashing. So yeah. basically like getting us prepared for what an actual restaurant's gonna be like. So I felt like I was prepared after that term because that's the last term. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was prepared enough because I mean, I feel like I figured out kind of how it was gonna be. Mm-hmm. But once you're in an actual restaurant, it's like completely different. <laughs> I was like, I'm ready to do this, but then it was no. It was like, because every kitchen is different. Yeah. Every kitchen is different. And like, they all have their ways of how they do things. So like mm-hmm. just learning everything basically from the very beginning, like just starting over when I went to work at the restaurant. That's honestly what it felt like when I was getting my teaching degree. Cause I was like, there's only so much a classroom can teach you right. until you're like in front of a group of students or you're <laughs> having to deal with cl- disruptive students. Because like we have all these hypotheticals that are thrown at us like, so if this student, uh, like acts up in class how do you respond to this yeah. like I, I don't know <laughs> like like my my response would always be like when i had to write these like responses to papers like uh i would gauge the circumstance of how it happened <laughs> i don't know and i mean like working in a restaurant is so high high paced yeah so i'm sure that that was a big um a, like learning curve yeah definitely what were you doing when you first took that role up like what was your at the role? restaurant? Yeah, at the restaurant. So obviously we start out like just prepping, <laughs> learning how to prep the stuff that we're going to cook. Mm-hmm. And I mean it's a whole day process. Like you get in the kitchen early and you basically are just preparing yourself for the day mm-hmm. or for the week, you know, as much as possible. Um, so that was like something that I, I mean, we tried to do that in school, but it's just like you only feed so many people at school. So that's what I'm saying. Like you're feeding hundreds of people in that day mm-hmm. at a restaurant. So it's completely different. That's what I'm saying. I would, just being prepared is something that you learn on your own at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So that's what I first started doing, just prepping and then working basically the, the pantry, which is doing like salads and like at the time. And just kind of like baby steps, I guess. Yeah. And, um, Earning your stripes a little bit. Yeah. So that's Not what, my that's, favorite phrase. That's what I first started doing at the restaurant mm-hmm. and then quickly progressed. Like what that. was it like progressing though? It was definitely hard. I, it was, I don't know how to put it. I mean, it was definitely hard, but like, it was cool because like every day, you know, I tried to learn something new. Mm-hmm. It's just like the menu is, you know, so big. So like, it's basically learning everything that's on the menu, what goes into every dish. It's just basically memorizing. Like I said, repetition, because you're going to do this, you know, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Whatever you just did, whatever you prepped for that day mm-hmm. is going to be gone by the end of the day. So you have to do that tomorrow. And then you have to counter in other things that like, oh, you're also going to be doing this. And that's how they basically got me, you know, up to pace how they would work. Because like they just kept adding more things to my list of things to do until, you know, you get, because you, eventually you get faster at what you're doing. And I thought that was pretty cool because, I mean, it really made me learn a lot faster. Yeah. And when it became time for you to become like a full-time member of the restaurant, um, what did that like really feel like did you finally feel like the stuff you'd been doing like paid off or 
was it like there's still so much for me to learn? <laughs> I, I guess it's like a little bit of both because I felt like I was ready after. So after I had to do, I think 240 hours, I believe, is what my externship wow. does. So hours. yeah, right. So I had to do that whole time, and then after that, the restaurant can choose to be like, okay, you know what, we don't have a job for you or whatever, or they can choose to hire you. This is basically you know those two options, mm-hmm. and they obviously offered me a job and took it because mm-hmm. I had no job so yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> and I liked, I liked it there yeah. I learned you know a lot of the menu mm-hmm. but I still had a lot to learn because I only learned basically my station when on a kitchen line there's like three four five stations depending on how big the kitchen is so there was still plenty of me for me to learn mm-hmm. I had just learned one station yeah <laughs> so like <laughs> after once I got hired they gave me more responsibility yeah. obviously and I was actually getting paid for it which is awesome mm-hmm. um, but like I said kind of baby steps like uh, after that I moved, they moved me up to like another station they hired somebody else for my station and that's how it basically kept going until like now I guess but yeah. it was I mean it obviously took a while All right, time for our first break of the podcast, bringing you some hype for my good friends over at Table Turned. Once again, hyping up Table Turned because there's such a great monthly vinyl subscription uh, program, and I think that you need it. You need If you like vinyl and you like records, you, you should subscribe to Table Turned because they're one of the only DIY, like true DIY, ran out of a living room subscription companies they are going to be putting out records in two different genres upcoming in their next uh, series of of shipments their next year is going to feature post hardcore genre albums uh, and then shoegaze revival that's the one i submitted or subscribed to the shoegaze revival i'm really stoked to see what kinds of stuff i get in my mail this year from table turned uh, you can subscribe by going to table-turn.com uh, for a monthly subscription. Uh, you can pay $15 a month or you can pay $175 for the year. Save yourself, uh, one, you get basically one month off, one month free if you do it that way, if you pay up front. But hey, uh, some folks got to pay month to month like I do. I think that's totally fine. They were featured in Paste Magazine and The Hype Magazine. Uh, you can read all about all the work that they do over there. And if you want to listen to the conversation I have with Dane Erbach about how he started Table Turn, go back, go back a few episodes. You'll see it. You can listen to it. And he can tell you all about how he got into records and how he got into being a teacher. So subscribe to Table Turn, table-turn.com. Get some records every month. Let's do it. This is a good suggestion. Those beignets were great. Speaking of French food, beignet. Oh, whoa! So we're in a we're in a donut shop called Nola Donut, which is pretty new, right? Mm-hmm. So New Orleans donuts, and so we are kind of just digging into these. Real good. It's like a croissant donut, like mm-hmm. a cronut or whatever. This is like almond toffee. We got the same one because it sounded so good. <laughs> Dang. Um, and we're like down in a, a basement hangout spot. No, it's not weird. Mm-mm. 
No, not weird. You've been like super on edge about it. <laughs> you feel like we're not allowed down here. Oh, they said we were allowed down here. And there's tables in here, so. Mm -hmm. oh. I don't know about it. So, now you run Authentica. Yeah. And you, how do you keep your restaurant from being repetitive? Because you were saying like you do a lot of the same things over and over again. How do you keep it fresh for you and the people who work there? So it definitely goes into like basically what season it is. That's how I decide my menu. Obviously, we have um, like the best, you know, like the, the the most popular items on the menu. We don't change. Those have been on the menu since day one. Like I I respect those dishes, and like I have no like reason to just adjust them or just touch them at all. So like there's like ten items on the menu that just don't you know we don't we don't touch them at all yeah. like just, they, they've been the same they stay the same because people come in for those dishes mm -hmm. so that's where the other half of the menu i'm allowed to like just play around with and like i said the season it depends so like say so like right now like it's kind of spring mm -hmm. getting into summer we could usually know a lot of like asparagus you know like stuff that's in season mm -hmm. in the summer we'll use corn because it's in season you know all these berries so that's what really like that's how I decide the menu that we're gonna have. Just what we have at the market and what can go into a dish. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of for me, like it, like you said, it's repetitive, but it's kind of fun for me because I get to change it up mm -hmm. and not do the same thing. Like I can only do the same thing for like a couple months and then I get to change it up. Hmm. When you first took over the menu, what, what kind of influences were coming into your like decision process of making new dishes and making new menu how do you think of that stuff well i feel like I, you know i can get influenced by anything even these donuts like yeah. just going out to eat is the best way for me to like learn for me what other like, people are doing yeah just what other people it's like it's not really like okay so people always get in this big debate about like oh you're stealing other people's dishes it's like mm -hmm. it's not what i'm doing it's just i'm getting influenced by anybody else even if i'm not going to a mexican restaurant say i'm going to like a a Japanese restaurant or whatever I can still get influenced by that like say because like say a Japanese restaurant serves a lot of raw fish right mm -hmm. a ceviche is basically like a raw fish with lime juice so mm -hmm. like I can take a little bit of what they're doing and then mix it in with to our Mexican cuisine that we're doing <clears throat> and it's a brand new dish like I'm not stealing anything from anybody mm -hmm. but that's how I get like influence mm -hmm. like obviously books internet yeah. yeah you know shows well to me it seems like um like it's, it works the same way with music. You listen to other bands to kind yeah. of like influence how you make music. Yeah. Like everything's going to be derivative to something. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you're already taking Mexican dishes, right? And making them kind of your own. Exactly. Um, so, how how have you how have you stayed so comfortable just working with like that Mexican bent? Like, is that something you're just comfortable with, and you're ready like that 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 type of cuisine is like your your wheelhouse or is there like how much versatility do you have outside of just like the Mexican genre of food <laughs> well I feel like I've always been interested in Mexican cuisine especially since it's you know it's like my culture it's my background you know mm -hmm. I've always wanted to learn more about it mm -hmm. but the best way to learn about something like that is like actually being in Mexico mm -hmm. and that's something that I've never done as an adult you know mm -hmm. I've done it as, as a younger I've been yeah. when I was younger, um, but now as an adult, I've it's never been. So like, that's so you're the, about to go, right? I'm about to go. So like, I feel like that's the best way for me to learn. But it's just like, 
But the big thing, like, so like I said, our restaurant name is Authentica, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to be authentic Mexican cuisine. So I feel like sometimes it's not fair for me to be doing what I do there because I don't really know what authentic Mexican food is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know about it, but like, I, like I said, I've never been to Mexico as an adult, so I don't really know. Like, I know about dishes, mm-hmm. you know, and like how they're supposed to taste, but like, I don't actually know how they're supposed to be made, like traditionally. Yeah. I mean, I know about them, but I've never actually seen it, like, firsthand. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like sometimes it's hard for me to, like, do a certain dish and do it my way. Mm-hmm. And people will be like, that's not, that's not it. Yeah. But it's like, I've never, I'm, not, I'm just trying to, you know, do what I know. Mm-hmm. That's why sometimes it's a little hard for me. Yeah. And I feel like <clears throat> whenever I tell, so I, I, I hype up your work all the time, <laughs> even when I'm not in Thanks. this state. <laughs> um, but I, I'll say, like, my buddy runs a Mexican restaurant in Portland, and they'll be like, oh... So just like burritos and shit. That's what everybody always thinks. And, and I go, no, 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 no. It's like a high end. Like you're going to spend some money here. It's going to be fucking great. And yep. you're going to feel like you supported a local uh, space that supports other local space. Yep. Um, and I have two pieces to branch off of this. But the first one is you're not a big fan of that uh, assumption of Mexican food, like burritos and, and yep. like tacos. I know that you always use a hashtag called Fuck Your Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Can you explain that to me a little bit? Okay, so the big thing about the hashtag is like, I hate that bars, especially bars do this a lot, mm-hmm. but I feel like some restaurants will do that as well. Well, they'll do like, oh, hey, come in for Taco Tuesday, where they serve a taco with a crunchy tortilla like Taco Bell would, mm-hmm. and like it's ground beef and like cheddar cheese, lettuce, tomato. But that's a taco. To you. Yeah, as, but a, like, as a piece of shit white kid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just what I'm saying. It's like, that's not a taco. That's not what I grew up eating a taco. Like I said, like, I can't say that yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. to Mexico yeah, and yeah, eat yeah, a real but taco. But you had that influence in your home. Right, exactly. So, like, I know what I, I or I, I think I know what a taco should be, and that's not a taco. Mm-hmm. What is a taco? A taco is a tortilla made from corn that is, you know, like, made on a comal. Mm-hmm. And it's just some kind of, like, meat. I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be meat, mm-hmm. but... Some kind of protein, and then has onion and garlic. Sorry, not onion, garlic. Onion, cilantro, garnish, mm-hmm. and then some kind of salsa. Mm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's what a taco should be. No, like sauce or anything. Like well, that—that's what the salsa is. Okay. Yeah, but like not hot, mild, or fire. No, not that. I but mean, we use we use right. The I know, <laughs> I know. But I'm so insane. Yeah. There's that's a lot, what a taco should be. There's a lot of those preconceived notions. I imagine even like people meeting you and you tell them what you do right <laughs> but like i said i don't want to be like over here on like high and mighty like this is what a taco should be like yeah, i'm not yeah. trying to take away from those tacos like i've eaten those tacos that's fine mm-hmm. but it's a, it's just not a taco yeah like if you go to mexico for i mean i haven't been but like mm-hmm. i said yeah go to mexico you're not gonna find those that's not a taco you know like you want they do make those kind of tacos but they're different you know it's like a taco dorado it's something different yeah it's not what people think of tacos yeah and the the second part that I was going to branch off on is, so you you support these local uh, like folks who make like grow food and um, sell meat and whatnot. What is the community like here in Portland for like chefs, um, locally sourced um, food? What does that feel like to to support all those organizations? Because I'm sure it's not cheap. Right. No, it's definitely not cheap. But like that's, that goes back to saying like how people think Mexican food should be burritos mm-hmm. it should be cheap it mm-hmm. should be fast mm-hmm. where we are neither like any of those you know? <laughs> like it's just hard because like see you want to support the community you want to get local 
produce. You want to get organic produce, but the stuff isn't cheap. And then when you keep adding to it, the labor costs, all the people that we have in the kitchen, you can't make it cheap. Like we we're, we have to set a price for it just so the restaurant can get by and we can you know pay everyone. Mm-hmm. So this is why people like we people need to learn about the restaurant I guess like not everyone knows about a restaurant how a restaurant works but like this is like how this is every day for us you know the community is great like everybody you know always everybody should always support each other like we have neighbors there's the case where we have we're on a street where there's like five different restaurants and we all get along great mm-hmm. you know it shouldn't be about like competition you know our food's better than your food on our block there is two Italian restaurants there's us which are Mexican uh, at the end of the block, there is a basically a bar that does burgers. Across the street, there's a Japanese restaurant. There's a, a Northwest like wine bar, and then there's like a Thai place. Like I'm saying, there's all these like different foods on the block, mm-hmm. and we're a community. You know, it yeah. shouldn't be about competition. It should be about supporting each other, and that's mm-hmm. a big thing that people need to learn. I feel yeah. not a lot of people know about that. People need to be like, hey, these guys are our neighbors. They're trying to get by just like how we are, and we should support them. Yeah. I love that. Like a big part of <clears throat> even the work that I do and even creating this podcast to talk with people is like bringing other communities together and really having that kind of influence on each other. And one of the things that I've always like been super intrigued by is how much um, community even goes into food in yep. general. Like it brings people yep. together. And how do you think that? when when people come in to like your restaurant your regulars do they come back pretty fairly consistently or is it like every season they want to like see what you're doing Those, like do they come to do they know what to expect from you or they want to be surprised by you or so we definitely have our regulars that come in you know on a weekly basis and yeah. then we have other regulars that come on a monthly basis mm-hmm. and like i said there's some so there's people that expect a lot each season so they know what's going to be on the menu but there's always something that i like i you know, like throw a curb on there and be like this is our new item check it out it's a little different from what you're used to tell me what you think you know and that's that goes like into like every week because every week i try to do a special for the week or for the weekend basically mm-hmm. that i've never done before i try to do one try to do one at least every week it's just like that's kind of that goes back to saying like how i don't get bored Mm-hmm. And it's not repetitive, you know. It's something new, and that usually, if, you know, if something goes well that weekend on the special that we had, that could end up on a menu. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of me like trying new things out. And like I said, people come in and knowing there's going to be a special because we have a board, mm-hmm. and that's just like one of the things for like our regulars. Like it's not just for you know the regulars, but it's like for everybody. Like the regulars know though. Oh, they, they look right up and they, they see the special for the weekend, mm-hmm. and most of the time they'll get it just because they want something new. You know, people come in for, like like I said, the popular, like, the menu items. But people will look forward to our specials because it's just something new. I feel like a lot of times people are, like, we, we went to a restaurant in Corvallis last night, and some, some the per- our waiter was like, do you want to hear the specials? So many times people are just like, no, we're fine. Yeah. Like, we don't need that. Yeah. And, like, kind of, it feels, like, a little invalidating. But in your space, it people want that, yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. Also... Specials doesn't mean it's going to be like discounted. It means it's something special, not on the menu. Like, I don't want oh, yeah. people thinking, like, oh, we have this special, it's going to be $2 or whatever. No, no. doesn't mean it's going to be cheap. I mean, <clears throat> sometimes, you know, it depends on what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's something that's not on the menu. That's why it's special. Yeah, so you're kind of always thinking about that. Yeah, 
Because I know that there have been times like we've met up and you're like, I'm thinking of this new thing to put on. And I'm like figuring out where to get what I need for it. Yeah. Um, what are you thinking of when you're you're trying to? Is this something like you kind of obsess over, or is it just something like, well, maybe I'll give that a try? <laughs> and it's a little bit of both. Yeah, it's something that I do obsess over, just like thinking of what it could be, mm-hmm. and it's like kind of like spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, our busiest days are Friday, Saturday, you know, the mm-hmm. weekend. Sunday is mm-hmm. also, you know, sometimes, but. Sometimes I'll come up, you know, Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Thursday night, I have my deadline of midnight to get in all my orders mm-hmm. via email or phone call mm-hmm. to have it the next day for Friday. So sometimes I'll come up like just an idea, just like I said, like watching a show or something, a commercial, a Taco Bell commercial. Interesting. Anything, like it, it influences me. So like that goes into like, oh, the special for tomorrow. Like, I just thought about this on Thursday, like, last night, huh. and I'm going to do this tomorrow. And you have a little bit of an impulse, just like, I'm going to go with my guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, I'll plan it out more if I know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's just, like, right, you know, spot on, just, like, that day. Mm-hmm. It seems like um, there's a lot of trial and error with that. Yeah. Like, some things might not sell. No, yeah, there's definitely been some things that just don't sell. Mm-hmm. People aren't in, you know, they're not intrigued about it, and they just, they just don't want it. Yeah. How do you feel when that happens? Do you take it personally? I don't. I okay. definitely don't because I can't. You yeah, know? yeah, I was going to say, you probably can't. <laughs> I can't. It's just like sometimes it doesn't work, you know, and that's fair. But that's kind of the whole thing of it. It's like I would want that thing to be on the menu. So, like, why would I just put it on the menu and not try it out first? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And speaking of, like, learning from, like, some things not necessarily panning out, you also, like, worked at another restaurant that you, it branched off of Authentica, right? Yeah, yeah, and so... You, yeah, no, 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 you're fine. Um, and can you explain a little bit about that and, like, that experience for you? So after three years of working at Authentica, right after my externship, um, the owner opened up another restaurant mm-hmm. called Mixtiza, and it was a different, it was a Mexican restaurant, but different from mm-hmm. Authentica. Yeah. Where Authentica tried to do more traditional regional cuisine from Guerrero, which is like southern Mexico. Mm-hmm. And where Mixiza wanted to, do, what they wanted to do with Mixiza is just kind of like all over Mexico. Like they wanted to do dishes from different parts. So that's why we had different dishes like things like cabrito, where, you know, like it's like a roasted goat basically from like northern um, Jalisco, mm-hmm. Mexico, you know. And then we had like molotes, which, is, which are like Mexican dumplings from Oaxaca mm-hmm. so that's that's where it was different um what was the question um I, well, I know that that restaurant ended up closing right um what what process was that like was it kind of something you you kind of forecasted or saw coming because for a while it was popping yeah I mean both like with any new restaurant they're always gonna be busy for like you know the first couple of weeks and it was just like it was weird seeing that whole process but it was really like I said a really good learning experience for me because like it went from really busy to just you know starting to be like slow and then really slow until eventually we ended up closing (laughs) so it was just like like I said it's a really it's like if you're gonna be in this industry you need to learn how to like deal with that yeah. Because it's a big deal. Yeah. Was that, again, was that something you took kind of personally? Or were you just like, no, I mean, we tried. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it's, I did not take it personal. Yeah. But it was, it was good for me to learn. I mean, it sucked. I mean, I'm not an owner, but mm-hmm. it sucked definitely, definitely sucked for the owner having to close that restaurant. Yeah. Um, but 
I definitely didn't take it personal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's, again, another good learning experience to see what can and maybe can't work, yeah. um, which I think is, like, super admirable. Like, the point in really any sort of... Even, I mean, I look at cooking as, like, an art form these days. Right. you got to try. Yeah. Um, how... And like kind of going off of that, cooking shows have become huge. A lot of chefs have like like become household names, and like are kind of rock stars. Um, How much do you think that that has influenced people getting involved in like this trade? Because you got a you got in it right before that boom. Yeah. Do you feel that kind of cheapens the industry, or what does that look like? I don't know. I I didn't mean to make that a leading question. (laughs) Honestly, I didn't mean to. I just know that it's so ubiquitous. Like, it's everywhere now. Right. I mean, I feel like it definitely influences people because people, like, want to see, like, like to see, like you said, these rock stars, basically, that are, like, cooks, Mm -hmm. you know? But it's definitely hard because, so, wait, right after I got out of culinary school, I thought I was going to be a chef. You know, mm-hmm. but like that's one thing that they tell you right, you know, as soon as you start, you're not you're not a chef. Mm-hmm. You're gonna go into a restaurant and start at the very bottom and work your way up. And then you become a chef. <laughs> so people thinking like they're gonna come out of culinary school as a chef, that's always like that's a bad sign. Yeah. But like to be honest, I thought I was gonna be there. Mm-hmm. But I quickly learned that that's not the case. <laughs> it humbles you pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like that's what people think like when they see these like rock stars like oh I can cook just like him and be a rock star. Yeah. But no, that's yeah. not it. Um, but it's good that it's like teaching people how to cook mm-hmm. because not everyone knows how to cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think it, it it's kind of been the same in like a lot of different industries like when they first started televising the World Series of Poker poker boomed um when ink master started coming out or like la ink people started becoming tattoo artists Mm -hmm. it seems like everyone and their their best friend is like opening up a restaurant (laughs) or a food cart and stuff yeah um and portland's like i like ideal right now for food especially on the west coast um do you feel like you've kind of carved out your own niche in this space with like a lot of people in the community Yes, definitely. I feel like, I mean, they've been open for over 10 years now. So, I mean, obviously we're doing something right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, it goes back to saying, like, I try to keep things, you know, as authentic as possible, yeah. but with doing my own thing as well. So it's just, um, it's just, uh, I forget what I was going to say again. Just about, like, becoming becoming a chef now, feeling like you've made your spot in the space in the community right in the industry yeah like they said people we have an open kitchen so people come in and they see us working. which is wild i've never seen that before really i mean I feel like before it's i went common. there now <laughs> okay. it's really common right but it's really cool because you see you know you see the food being made mm-hmm. and like that's a that's a good i feel like that's always a good thing because people always don't know what's going on in the kitchen and like people think like oh where's my food at but if people are seeing us cook, it's like, obviously, you know, you can see that we're not just standing around. Yeah. So the food's going to come out. And it's not automated or something like that. <laughs> and like, um, we have a spot at the counter. We have a kitchen counter. So, like, I always interact with a lot of people. And that's like, I really like that because mm-hmm. people get to know me. I get to know people that, you know, enjoy our food. Mm-hmm. So that goes, like, into seeing, like, how people, like, recognize the chef, you know. And, like, people recognize me. People know me now. I'm not. I'm not trying to say I'm a big chef. No, you're fine. Like people come in and like they know me, and that's awesome. You know. Yeah, 
And I, I, one of the things that I notice a whole lot when we go out to eat, even, or I'm sure everyone notices when you go out to eat, you're kind of eyeing the kitchen. Oh, definitely. What? I love to see people work. Yeah. Always. If there's always... It's if so there's nerdy, a, if there's but a, I love it. <laughs> if there's a kitchen counter, I'm all about that. Yeah. I just want to see how they work, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, it's just how we work, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like they're, they're working as a team. And it's awesome to see that. Yeah. It also seems like there's a lot of like almost unspoken things that people just kind of know their role yeah, in a kitchen. Definitely. Um, do you feel like what kind of what influences that? Like, I mean, I don't know much about that. What kind of influences how you just get things done without having to yell all the time? Because we see that in shows. Like, right. We're just right, yelling yeah. all yeah, the it's time. It's not like. Um, but you can't do that realistically. <laughs> well, I mean, like there's some yelling involved, but it's just like there's easier ways to get it done. Like I said, if you get into um, like repetition, you know, doing things over and over, you get, you know, your group of, you know, your, t- your team, basically, you work long enough with them, you know what to expect of them, and they know what to expect of you. Mm-hmm. That's why when we're working, I can always count on my guys to do, you know, what they're supposed to do. That way, like, I don't have to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some things that I do need to talk to them about. But there's like, where do you, you just see us moving without even talking sometimes. And like yeah. you said, it's like you said, it's pretty awesome to see that. That's why I like to see that in, in, you know, in the kitchen. It's, but, it's fascinating. Because yeah. like, to me, I would kind of feel like on edge the whole time. But I guess <laughs> it like, you, once you do it enough, right. you get comfortable with it. No, I mean, it definitely, it, every chef is different. And like, some people do get nervous when there's people around. And some people aren't people person. They don't want to talk to anybody. They just want to, they're there to do their job and that's it. But I like to interact because it's like something, you know, like you get, they get interested in about what we're doing and like I like to explain it. Mm-hmm. All right, really excited to bring you some new tunes from June Pastel for today's music break. Uh, June Pastel has a brand new album coming out. Uh, in just a couple weeks on June 29th it's called Collages and it will be out on Native Sound Records you can get yourself a digital copy by going to uh, junepastel.bandcamp.com that's probably the easiest way to do it you can also go over to the Native Sound go over there you can get yourself the only physical pressing that they're going to be doing are cassettes so far. So you, if you want a cassette, go get yourself a cassette or get a digital download over at thenativesound.com or again, go to junepastel.bandcamp.com. Follow them on social. Get those get those social numbers up for folks. All right, so without further ado, I'm going to bring you some wonderful indie pop jazz fusion tunes from june pastel this song is called all the come it is going to be on the new album collages which is out june 29th uh just in a couple weeks on the native sound and you you can listen now to all all the come by june pastel here we go Stayed up just Show me all your plans for me 
for you. Oh, good. Yeah, it's really good. I, I mean, I downed it. Mm-hmm. I know you're doing a lot of talking, so you don't get to... It's fine. It's like interviewing at a school, and they do like an interview with all the students at lunch, which I think is terrible, because you want to mesh the most with students, but you're also really hungry, because you're interviewing <laughs> <laughs> You're like always on. It's terrible. Um, so I have two quick questions. One, very recently, just a Friday morning, uh, a rock star chef took his own life. Like, like one of the most well-known dudes, Anthony Bourdain. And I know that you were a big fan of his. Yep. How, how, honestly, how are you doing with that sort of news? Like, such sudden news. I think it's crazy just to deal with that. Like, just, I mean, he was a big impact to the industry, you know? So, like, he's done a lot. And it's just, like, it's a big blow, you know? Especially for him, like how you said, he's a rock star, you know? Mm-hmm. People, I mean, he, he traveled for a living and just ate ridiculous amounts of food. Mm-hmm. And Anyone's like, dream. Yeah, and like that's, that's what you got paid for. Mm-hmm. Like, that's awesome. And it's just crazy to see that. And it's a big blow, definitely. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's, I mean, he clearly had, he was an, a recovering addict. Right. And he, he was always open about that, too. And, and that's one of the things, like when it happened, I was like shocked, but I was also like, I mean, he's put it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's also like a connection there because you work so much as right. a chef and mm-hmm. you, he traveled so much or like even you, you work a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I know there are just times where I'm like, Hey, you should do this. And you're like, Oh, I literally can't do anything. <laughs> How does that, what are some of the drawbacks of doing this sort of work? Yeah, like, like I said, it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. The restaurant industry is hard. It's, it's tough. It will break you down. Mm-hmm. It it it's not like I said. It's not for everyone. Like just you got to put in hours. Mm-hmm. From right after I was like done with my internship, going into like actually working, you know, where I'm actually getting paid. There's days like I mean it was kind of like baby steps, you know, like I said. But there's days where you just put in like 12 hours like straight and like you do, you're not stopping. Maybe a little bit to get a drink of water, but like you're making all this delicious food, but you're not eating it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. It's hard. It's not easy. Yeah. There's like no time to lean. Yeah. It seems like. Definitely not. If you're leaning, you should be cleaning, right? <laughs> Is that the thing? <laughs> well, it's just like you start out your day, you know, and you, you just get into this um, routine of just working. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, I mean, I'm in that right now. I'm just, I just like, I get in at 1130 a.m. And I, just, I usually work up until like 5 Maybe maybe eat something mm-hmm. real quick, mm-hmm. and then boom at five service starts. Mm-hmm. We open our doors, people are coming in, so like I haven't sat down from eleven to five, and then now we're gonna get this rush yeah. from five to ten when we close, and then that's you know at you know maybe a little bit before ten so I slow down. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can eat something, but you're not gonna sit down because you're trying to clean up and get out of there. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's like it's not like it's just a whole day on your feet and it's not easy it's not all glamorous how they make it look on the food network you know because like you when you're done you then have to go home and sleep and come do it again exactly yeah <laughs> i mean like most jobs but yours, right. your hours are so different yeah, that definitely. it, it kind of takes a little bit hit of like even your personal life yeah. i imagine but um and one other question and it's more of a political question and it's more along the lines of being such a proud Mexican human being right now is like a really not a good time right. to be a Mexican, especially mm-hmm. in America. What is, what has a lot of the political, I don't know, bullshit around immig- like immigrants in America? What kind of, what do you think about when you see this happening like everywhere? 
um, because I feel like your culture is almost always being attacked. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's definitely sad to see this, and it's like especially you know in our industry we have a lot of immigrants in our field. Like most of the back of the house is obviously some kind of Latino, and it's like this is their job because this is what they can get. Mm -hmm. And but just like Anthony Bourdain was a big influence for this because he always supported the immigrants in kitchens because there was just so many mm-hmm. and this is really what makes the kitchen function without these people we wouldn't be able to work we wouldn't be able to make the food that we're doing because a lot of these immigrants don't speak you know english so they're just like i'll wash dishes i'll prep your food and that's what they do and they make the restaurant run mm-hmm. and it's just really it's hard to see because it's it's such a it's just such a big piece of a restaurant like just with all these people that we have yeah and I, I feel that there's like this there's this like almost constant um, um, I don't even know the word I'm looking for it, it just kind of always feels like there's this misconception of people who come to this country to try to have a better life but so many people look at it as a threat. Right. And that's so bizarre to me because like they're like white folk, me and my fellow whites, they're just some jobs we won't do, but we still get mad at the people who are willing to do those jobs. Um, And I'm sure that definitely rubs you the wrong way. That's such a bummer. Yeah. I love you so much. (laughs) I honestly, you know how much I think of you. Yeah. And I hope that doesn't, feel awkward or anything (laughs) I just envy the work that you do and how like it truly looks like it gives you so much joy to do this that's wonderful now we're gonna wrap this up hard transition to um, some lightning round questions just about some things you like in life the first one I always ask people might be a little hard for you because you're colorblind Which, again, a whole story of how we found out you were colorblind. That's so fucking ridiculous. But what is your favorite color? Gray. (laughs) (laughs) It's just everywhere. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I like navy blue. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a very safe color. Like your hat. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, I feel like I can, you can wear that. It's also so, always so bizarre to me that you're colorblind and the food you make is so freaking colorful. <laughs> I know, it's weird. It's wild. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Garden State. Yeah? What's your favorite uh, book? Do you have a favorite book? Kitchen Confidential. Yeah? Anthony Bourdain. There you go. <laughs> um, what about TV shows? Scrubs. Scrubs? Oh, yeah. You are hardcore Scrubs. Yep. That's awesome. What about cartoons? Cartoons. Uh, SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it also funny how SpongeBob became like the, one of the internet's biggest memes? Yeah. <laughs> it's because our generation is in control of the internet. Now. Right. And once you put a bunch of kids who grew up on ridiculous cartoons in control. <laughs> um, what is your favorite place that you've ever been? Visited. New York, I guess. Yeah. Because I haven't visited. You went apeshit for New York, like the first yeah. time you went there. Yeah. yeah. And then I went again the next year. Yeah. Until last year. So. And it seemed like you ate New York. I mean, that's my big deal. You know, it's like I want to go over there and just eat. I want, wherever I go, I want to eat. Mm-hmm. I just want to you know, learn about food as yeah. much as possible. That's so awesome. Um, and what is your? <laughs> 
What's your so we grew up listening to the same music, right. a little bit of the same music. What's your favorite band of all time? Blink One Eighty Two. Blink One Eighty Two. Okay, I I I wasn't sure if it was still that. I mean, that's not going to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you listening to lately, though? Uh, a lot more hip hop, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Kendrick, Cole, Pusha. Yeah. Well, I mean, you we came up as emo kids. Mm-hmm. We had the look. We had it down. <laughs> we like you had the hair. Yeah. You had the lip paint. Yeah. So like you're not since this is a punk podcast, you're not a, completely out of nowhere with this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love so much. Uh yeah, what's what do you think is an album that you really love? Album. Yeah. Does it have to be like current or is it like all anything, time? Anything, anything all time. Tough one. I feel like if maybe back in the day, uh, take off your pants and jacket, Blink One Eighty Two, solid. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like that's a hard question. I remember how much like you and I used to jam out to From First to Last. I was yeah, that's, and, that's one thing I was thinking about too. And I just remember because we just envied Sunny so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's like one of the biggest people in the world. <laughs> it's crazy how that happened. I still have my email that has FFTL in it. Like to this day, I still really? use it. Yes, it's my Yahoo email, and I still use it to this day for like professional stuff. Yeah, because I don't want to change it. <laughs> that makes me super happy. Oh my god! Although I probably should get a professional email, right? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I have one, and then I have for like music and projects, and then one for this. I just have iDub Mcore or something. It's <laughs> professional, right? <laughs> it's hard to ask you lightning round questions because I do know so much about you. Right. But at the same time, like, if anything, I should just get into a bunch of inside jokes. But then everyone would be like, "Okay, I'm done with this fucking podcast." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is like one thing that you would suggest to people? That who want to who want to get into this industry into being a cook being a chef what's some advice you would give try cooking at home mm-hmm. because like blue apron no like just like just cooking like i don't know get into a habit of cooking just because if you're going to be doing this you have to i mean i don't know if that's the best advice and i don't know <laughs> yeah no it seems pretty sound to me like you only get good at something like by practicing. Yeah, but that goes to shit like with anything. Yeah, yeah, but like some people are just like, oh, I, I make a mean mac and cheese. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. When you look at look back on how we used to eat, like we would just have Capri Sun all the time yeah. and toast. <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's our way of life. Yeah, but like you've you're one of those people who's developed such a palate now that i watch when you eat you're just like you're you're looking for everything in the in the food and i think that's super cool thank you for spending some time with me i know i just kind of like suggested this but i've always (laughs) i've wanted to talk to you just like have a good conversation about this for a while and it's a trade that a lot of people are curious about but aren't doing so um it's admirable as hell so thank you so much yeah thanks for having me i guess yeah now you can finally like listen listen to a podcast maybe Wait, what's the podcast <laughs> <laughs> that's it we did it uh, another great conversation i know i say like every week that the the new the new episode is like my favorite new favorite episode but this week again like such a wonderful conversation. I was really glad I got to catch up with one of my best friends. We don't get to see each other very often these days, but we used to be inseparable back in the day, doing all sorts of fun stuff. 
while we were growing up and learning what life was all about. Mauricio is one of my favorite people. I hope you learned a lot from him. Uh, truly one of the more inspiring human beings I know in my life and in the world. And uh, if you're in the Portland area, please go to Authentica. Eat their food. Eat Mauricio's food. You can taste the joy he puts into his food every single day. Really thankful for his his thoughtful responses to the immigration issues going on in the world and to Anthony Bourdain, because I know that it meant a lot to him. So, yeah, you also got to hear tunes from June Pastel. Go to junepastel.bandcamp.com. Get yourself a digital copy of Collages, which is out June 29th through The Native Sound. Go to thenativesound.com. Get a whole bunch of their tunes. They're doing such great work. So make sure that you're supporting up-and-coming bands, whole bunch of good stuff. As well as Table Turned, my favorite DIY monthly vinyl subscription. Get your subscription today. I love Table Turned. I subscribe. I'm getting some shoegaze records. Get yourself some shoegaze records or post-hardcore records if you want those. But definitely go to table-turn.com if you want to subscribe. That's all I got for this week. Uh, Go to EduPunksPod on Instagram and Twitter. Please like and review and subscribe. All those fun things that that podcast folks tell you to do and tell your friends spread it around that'd be really cool punk stuff is all about community just like the food community you got to support each other all right we'll be back next week with another great conversation and until then let's get to work